0: Me one sec for the iPad. December 14th, 2012. In the state of Connecticut, in a town about the size of Brookings. The town was called Newtown. The school was called Sandy Hook. It was an elementary school. On a Friday, much like other elementary schools, on a normal Friday, they were going through the morning announcements when teachers and classrooms started to hear what they thought might be gunshots. And in the blink of an eye, over the course of five minutes, a young adult killed 27 people, including himself. January 12, 2010, the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere, Haiti is toppled by an earthquake, 300,000 people die At least that's what they guess, because they couldn't really tell sometimes because of debris and body parts mixing together. 2020, COVID-19, 2.13 million people dead around the world. I had to refresh that stat today from when I got it on Tuesday. In the United States alone, in the month of December, Someone died of COVID every 40 seconds. Maybe those three don't connect with you. Maybe you don't quite grasp the hurt of those stories. But I want you to answer this question, and I would like you to answer it with your hand. Have you ever felt hurt, had something bad happen to you, or recognized evil in our world? Raise your hands if that's happened to you. Look around the world. You can put your hands down. I'm not here tonight to convince you that our world is broken. We're inherently in our nature. We can feel the brokenness of the world that we live around. But rather, I stand up here tonight to answer this question, how can God be good in the midst of that? The statement we're going to be looking at is a good God cannot exist if there is evil in the world. And this is our true and false series, so I will tell you that that is false. False, 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 false. Don't ever believe this lie, because a good God does exist, even though there's evil in the world. And to begin to convince you with the help of the Holy Spirit tonight, I'm gonna start in the very, very beginning. So if you have a Bible, you can flip it to Genesis 1. Genesis 1. But before we even get there, I need you to repeat after me. God is good. God is good. God is good. good. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, 'Let let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and every other living creature that moves on the ground. Verse 31. God saw that he had made, and it was very good. There was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. And I take you to Genesis 1. Similar to Ben took you to Genesis 1 last week. Because this is our creation story. If you believe the Bible is the word of God, then this is your creation story in whatever form you want to take it. But in the midst of a story like this, it's unfolding how God spoke into creation everything that we know. And as I look at that day after day, verse after verse, I see that it was very good. And the creation is a good creation. But it's a good creation because it comes from a good God. And this is why I know that to be true, God didn't create out of necessity. He didn't need us. He doesn't need us to be complete. He doesn't need us to fill a void in his existence. God creates out of a self-giving, overflowing abundance of unconditional love. That is our good God. That is who created us. That is what we read here in Genesis. And he creates this perfect Eden, the very goodness of Eden. And when he does that and he creates the garden, he makes something that is full of abundance. Something that has no shame, no evil exists. Words simply fall short to describe to you the perfection that was the garden of Eden. The only thing I could almost kind of come close to this week was this idea of blissfully perfect. God created in blissful perfection everything they needed. They lacked nothing. And they lived like that for two chapters. So if you're still with me in the Bible, turn to Genesis 3. And when you turn to that, you're going to start to see the bad of Eden. Because the title over your first couple of verses will probably say the fall or something close to it, and I'll read it to you. And it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you may not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. Do you see what happened there? I bet most of us in the room could probably gasp, grasp on the surface level, surface level what just happened right there. We saw the fall of all mankind. Adam and Eve eat the fruit because they're deceived. And when they eat this fruit, they've entered into sin and instantly shame jumps into the picture. But if we look deeper, do you really see what's going on here? Do you see what the serpent says? Did did God really say? For for, for God knows. Do you you see what's the picture between there? There's a jugular that the serpent is going for in their faith and their relationship between the human creation and the creator God. It's the goodness of God. He's trying to paint him as a liar. He's trying to paint him as someone that's withholding from them something that is good. And that's not at all God. But that's the linchpin he tries to pull in order for it all to come cr- crashing apart. And, and it works. Satan is attacking the goodness of God. And by doing that, he broke the beautiful, holy, incredible creation of God. And when I read that, it's not just a story. That's our history. You and I are connected to this story, especially if you believe in Christianity and the leg- legitimacy of the Bible. And in that moment, the reason we're so connected is because that entered original sin. And this is this theological church Christianese kind of word that we throw out. But original sin simply is all creation, including you and me, are tainted with sin nature. We're prone to evil, inclined to do bad things. There's something inside of us that is inherently broken. And to prove it to you, flip one more chapter. Genesis 4 is the story of two brothers. You've got Cain, the eldest brother, and Abel, his younger brother, both the sons of Adam and Eve. And in their relationship, there becomes this moment where there's a strife that happens, a conflict because one offered a sacrifice and the other offered a sacrifice and God liked Abel's, but not Cain's. And Cain is upset, to say the least. And out of that anger, He murders his brother, his younger brother in cold blood for not doing anything to him, but rather what God had, he felt done to him. He murders his brother. So I ask you this question, who modeled murder for Cain? What TV show did he watch where he saw that that was a possibility? What video game did he play? Did Adam and Eve sit him down and tell him how this could play out? How this was a possibility he could murder his own brother? No. There was something broken inside of Cain that led him to a place in his anger and in his bitterness where something of this disgusting nature could occur. And something is broken inside of all of us. It's original sin. And I brought a picture. And if you guys can see that, maybe you can't. But it's a picture in Cran that my littlest brother drew for me. My brother is now going to be 12 in February. He's watching online, so happy early birthday. I love you, Ian. And seven years ago, he drew me this picture. He was five, pretty good for a five-year-old. And as he drew it, do you want, you want to know why he drew it? Well, he just felt this void in him and he needed someone to worship him. No! Ian loved me. I love Ian. And therefore, out of love, he drew me a picture. Sound similar? And now I hold this picture. It has been mine. I have treasured it for seven years. And as I've treasured this picture, I've realized his love for me and that I have a responsibility to take care of this. Seven years. I held on to one sheet of paper before 300 of you... I just crushed my 11-year-old brother's dreams on TV, essentially. And when I unfold this, it's still the same picture. Right, I could rip it. It's still the same picture. But the broken creation does not mean there's a broken creator. This picture doesn't speak anything to the character of my younger brother. If anybody were to look at this and then say, Ian, you're messed up, you're broken, you're not a good person, I'd have problems with that. But rather, the broken creation speaks more of the person who broke it. So as we look at the world, we cannot say there is brokenness, then God, there's no way he's good. But rather, we can look at the broken creation, we can read the Genesis story, and we can see humankind, yeah, they haven't been great. The evil one, Satan, hasn't been great. And Ian could be very, very angry. I just ripped up and destroyed his picture that I've held for so long. He would be justified in his wrath. In the same way, I would say God is justified in his wrath as he looks at what he made and he crafted and he breathed, what he spoke. And now it's broken. And now I got to be honest. Ian did not draw this. (laughs) I would not have crushed his dreams. Ben drew this. And it was, I'm just playing. I drew that. (laughs) Yeah, that's bad. I'll take that. I'll take that. But it doesn't mean God is not good. And in his wrath, in his anger, God is justified. But he doesn't stay there. He continues to try to give us another way to fix what we broke. Which brings me to the second part, which is the law. Sorry. (laughs) The law is this 613 rule book that Moses was given to guide the Israelite nation. So it's this group of people who are supposed to live these 613, not 10. We know the 10. You've heard of the 10. 613, they're supposed to live it perfectly. And if they do, if lived perfectly, the law does provide another route to redemption. It does. From birth to death, perfectly lived without any error, 613 laws can fix what we broke. But we can't get it right. You and I, we can't get it right because Adam's curse is ours. The original sin I was talking about, it's in us. Sin nature, it hurts us. Romans 3.23, Paul's saying, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sometimes people say, but I don't get it. Why should Adam's mistake, why should what Eve did affect me today? But if you read the scriptures, if you look at your life, if you sit down over coffee with me, I'll show you where you done messed up. There's things we've we've broken. And the law, it's supposed to kind of act like this mirror. We'd look in it, and maybe we'd see what we'd like, but I, I think i do pretty good. And you look at, at the mirror, and it's supposed to be what the law symbolizes. When you see it, you look back at yourself, and you see you're created in the image of God. Humanity is restored to what it's supposed to be. But, didn't practice this. We break it. Oh. I brought a broom. And when we break it, we no longer look and see the perfect creation in Genesis, what we're supposed to be. When I look into the mirror, I don't see what God was supposed to have me be in Genesis and in Revelation. Rather, I see the cracks and I see the brokenness and I see the problems and I look at myself and I see how, how far I am from what God designed me to be. But God, in his mercy... And in his love, gives us another way. Which brings me to the goodness of Jesus. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, who came down to live on earth, to live the perfect life we could not, who bore the cross we could not, who rose from the grave. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. 613 laws, he lived them perfectly. Never missed a point. Forever, from his birth to his death, he perfectly lived it. He's the fulfillment of the law. Matthew five seventeen. do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them, Jesus says. Beyond that, he's the perfect Adam. 1 Corinthians 15, 21 through 22, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Adam couldn't do what he was designed to do. Jesus could. And what we could not do, Jesus can. And I could stop there. Church, we could get up, clap our hands, sing the last couple songs, and dart out the doors. But there's still brokenness. You and I still feel the ramifications of sin. We still feel things that hurt and pain us, that give us deep sadness. But that's not the end of the story. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit has been poured out on his people. Acts 1, 4 through 8, on one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Pause. That question really means, Lord, are you going to fix what's broken? Are you going to restore the nation of Israel to where it's supposed to be? Are you going to take away our pain? Are you going to take away our hurt? Are you going to bring it back to what it's supposed to be? Are you going to be the Messiah we want you to be? And Jesus says to them, It is not that you know the times or the dates the Father has already set on his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem and in Judea and to the ends of the earth. And he gives us the great gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives you power to start fixing what is broken. I smashed this mirror. (laughs) The Holy Spirit can fix that. The problems you have in your life The Holy Spirit can start to fix those. As we accept Jesus, as we recognize His work on the cross, as we declare Him as Lord and Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit inside of us to start mending what is broken. Not even the best part. Jesus, that dude's coming back. Acts 1, starting in verse 9 And Jesus said to them, He was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky and he was as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Will you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who was taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. This same Jesus, who was born of a virgin... This same Jesus who lived the perfect life. This same Jesus who was the perfect Adam. This same Jesus who lived and died. Who, this same Jesus who rose from the grave. This same Jesus that loves you. He's coming back. And when he comes back, whew, then the end will come when Jesus hands over the kingdom of God to the Father and after he has destroyed all dominion, all authority, and all power, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Jesus is going to win. Don't you for a second sit in these seats and think because God hasn't finished evil doesn't mean God's not going to. There is a reality that this night started off pretty dang sad. As I read those couple of stories, maybe those are what triggered in you. Maybe it was something else a different piece of brokenness, a different experience you've had. But tonight I can promise you, you can leave rejoicing in a God who wins, because our good God wins. You're meant to be restored to your perfect image, your perfect self in the image of God. No sadness, no weeping, no hurt, no pain, no suffering, no shame, no anxiety, no death, no depression forever at peace in the presence of your good, good God, fully alive. There's evil in this world. I don't have to convince you of that. But we serve a good God who's been fighting, who is fighting, and he's going to finish the fight. Say it with me. God is good. God is good. God is good. Pray with me. Father, I thank you tonight that in the midst of the chaos that is the world and the brokenness that is the creation we now exist in, you bring hope, you bring freedom, you bring healing because that's the God you are. A good God created a good creation and we repent and we say we are so sorry and we turn back to you from our wicked ways from the times we have fallen into sin, from the areas where we have struggled and we know we've broken your law. God, would you be greater than that? Spirit, would you be poured out on your people? Said that then, in moments like this and in every moment after, we can live as treasured children of God, living into our identity as the image of God, taking you to the ends of the earth to preach your good news that Jesus you've already won you defeated death you rose from the grave you sit at the right hand of the father but Jesus you're gonna win again and we declare that tonight we're gonna sing that tonight and and God if someone doesn't believe that tonight I pray you'd be so good to them right now that they would know Jesus the savior the messiah the son of God loves them and cares for them enough to put them in a space to hear of his goodness. We thank you. We thank you for everything you've done and everything you will do. In Jesus' name, amen.